Hey there, MuggleCast listeners. I am back to inform you of some excellent news. GoDaddy.com is having better deals than ever. For only $3.59 a month for 12 months, you can get GoDaddy.com's economy package. And with 250 gigs of bandwidth, 5 gigs of storage, and up to 500 email accounts, you can get your own website up and running with success. And as usual, enter code MUGGLE, that's M-U-G-G-L-E, when you check out. Save an additional 10% on any order. Some restrictions apply. See site for details. Get your piece of the internet at GoDaddy.com. Today's MuggleNet podcast is brought to you by Borders. In May, thousands of Harry Potter fans descended upon New Orleans for the Phoenix Rising Conference. Borders was there to take in the sights and share a lively discussion of the series that has bewitched the world with some of Harry's most dedicated fans. Listen in to watch the action yourself. Check out the Phoenix Rising Borders book club discussion at BordersMedia.com slash Harry Potter or click on the Borders banner at the top of the MuggleNet page. The first of many live episodes of MuggleCast this summer. This is MuggleCast episode 99 for July 15th, 2007.
of over 10,000 fans show up this every year. They fly from all around the world to this little Chicago suburb, and we're going to be there getting down to midnight. It's going to be great. I just think that we plug it out now. It's definitely going to be a million times bigger than this Oh, sure. It's like a Yeah, it was tactful. 
best way to do this. And it's like, hey, I don't think how many times they you know, I'll wait, you know, I'll wait until the line of hands is done. And I'll lean over and I'll start a casual conversation. And of course, Ron O'Reilly did tell her about it because she's been my cast now. And um, so she knew I was. So it was just, I was going to be like, hey, how are you? I'm really big fan of Ron. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm the one dude. But anyways, so like I said, I walk in and I see the there, you know, and I can feel this is good. It's going down. <laughs> I, I was going to be disappointed if I didn't at least get a phone number. And so, it's going to be next year. The line's finally gone. This is it. I'm not nervous at all, by the way. Cool, calm, and collected. Traditional benchmark manner. Anyways, I lean over to him and I tap on the shoulder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, 47. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
after we saw them, we, we thought it might be fun to start a band, and Lauren had dressed up as Moaning Myrtle for, um, for a book release party. For, was it book six that you dressed up as Moaning Myrtle? So I thought that was cool, and it was sort of a joke at first, when we wrote And Then I Died and put like a 30-second clip on the MySpace, and lo and behold, <laughs> 200 fans within a couple of days, and now we have 10,000. So it, it's kind of taken off from there. But According to the MySpace, then? According to the MySpace, yeah. Where do you guys get your inspiration for writing this music? Because there's a lot of Wizard Rock fans out there right now. And you guys are probably one of the bigger ones. And there's the Remus Lupins, there's the uh, Harry Potter's, there's the Hungarian Horde Tales, and Brandon and the Sims. Andrew and the Sims. Oh, okay. <laughs> but well, where do you guys get your ideas for writing this music? And once books have come out, are you going to start writing right away? We're definitely planning on, as soon as the book comes out, just like getting more ideas. We really hope that Myrtle is in the next book, so we have some more material. But as soon as we decided on Myrtle, we um, we looked through all the books, post-it noted all the pages where she was mentioned, and just pretty much wrote about the actual references, and then kind of came up with other things on the side. We knew we were going to have to be creative at that point, because, you know, she's, she's mentioned in, like, every other book, and she has little small scenes, but every time that she is mentioned, she does something hilarious. So, um, we, it's almost like a little bit of fan fiction in, in our music, because um, we have to draw, you know, experiences that may not have been entirely um, canon in the, in the era. So, stop laughing at me. So, where do you, where do you gals have from here? Um, yeah, we are doing what we call our poor tour right now. Um, we can't travel outside of like a two-hour radius um, uh, from our house, so we are playing in New Jersey and Pennsylvania a whole lot until the book release, and then in August we are doing a few more shows. So, it's so if I want to go out and see you, where can I find that information? Um, we have uh, all of the all the tour dates are on our MySpace. It's myspace.com slash themoaningmyrtles, and our website is moaningmyrtles.wordpress.com. And all the tour dates are on both of those websites with all the information and directions and other fun stuff. And if you if you are one of our fans who keeps messaging messaging us and says play in New Mexico or play in Salt Lake City, Utah, then buy our CD and maybe we can come there and stop being poor college students. <laughs> I don't buy it, baby. Thank you guys very much. Good luck on your tour. That's one thing. Whenever we, we announce we're going on tour, we get like, oh, can you please come to Insert My Little Town made up of 500 people? Yeah. We have a bookstore. You can do it here. It's a nice office, but we're trying to go. We're covering cross-country. Where are we going, Ben, exactly? Oh, she's going to uh, Las Vegas, Albuquerque, New Mexico, Tulsa, Oklahoma, St. Louis, Missouri, Chicago, Illinois, Detroit, Michigan, Columbus, Ohio, Cleveland, Ohio, Pittsburgh, then Prophecy, Awesome, and everything will wrap up. Harry Potter blowout to end all Harry Potter blowouts. Ladies and gentlemen, Hedrick has entered the auditorium back there. Think we have a Hagrid impression, please. I don't. Okay, well, uh, who saw the movie? Who didn't see the movie? <laughs> Just kidding. Plus, my dad also in the audience. I'll ask you a quick question. Um, is it worth seeing in IMAX? I've only asked a couple of people now, but. 
So some people are saying there's about 100 people that just didn't know. Yeah. Some people are saying no, they're saying the 3D effect just weren't worth it. They're stupid, we have other stupid here. I have your stupid over here. It was the last 20 minutes, right. So, I mean... Oh, really? Okay. See, it's weird. Yeah, one of the podcast workshops today, we were talking about that it may, it may have been an afterthought, like they didn't film it uh, for IMAX, because for one, it was the last 20 minutes, and they didn't really come out at you. They sort of did, but it was just an effect. And you know, I was going to say, you're a technical guy. Do you have to film it for 3D? What do you like? I don't know how that works. They did it digitally, yeah. They, that's, that's what we were saying. They didn't probably actually plan to do it to release it in IMAX. I mean, yeah, we'll just make a quick extra buck. So, I don't know. Anyone here going to see the 9X, Micah? Uh, well, you guys, some of you are. I mean, I guess it's worth it. would be cool. It's a good way to see it again. Plus, you, you have a huge screen that's like, oh, you, you can't see anything about the screen. It's amazing. Is it not? Thank you. But, uh, okay, we wanted to talk about some scenes in the movie that really got our attention. First of all, panel. Uh, overall thoughts on the movie. Start with Emerson down there, work our way over. See, I thought the movie was very well done. I, I, I don't know that they could have done a, a much better with it, but the fact that Order of the Phoenix was my least favorite Harry Potter book meant that I, I didn't enjoy the movie as much as I enjoyed the third and the fourth, which I do think are head and shoulders above the first two. They're all good movies, but I'd say Order of the Phoenix falls about number right in the middle of the movies, but I, I did enjoy it immensely. It was well done. What about your thoughts, Michael? Well, uh, I'd like to see the movie first. It could help. It could help. Um, I thought it was pretty good. I thought some small things just ruined it. Well, not ruined it, but just I thought I couldn't trust filmmakers that allowed those things to go in. Like, um, for anyone who hasn't seen it, let me just completely ruin it, okay? Um, the, the scene when Professor Troy is being attacked and then Dumbledore walks away from the scene and he's like, so you all have some studying to do for all these students around. I just wanted to hit him. Actually, no, I didn't. I wanted Ben to break out his nunchucks and he saw him out as well. But, uh, I take care of these boys. Yeah, yeah. He's got my back. Um, but other than that, I thought it was really good. I thought the battle was good. I like the whole sort of, uh, time thing they did with the flipping through the pages, going to flashbacks, that kind of thing. I thought it was the best positive movie by far. Um, and yeah, it was good. We only had a few minor snags that pulled it down a bit. I echo what Jamie said, but unless, um, unless I'm directing the movie, I'm not going to be happy with it, you know? I mean, the same thing with any Harry Potter fan. Unless they keep every single one of your favorite scenes, they write every line the way that you think it should be written, you're not going to be happy with it. So I have a hard time being critical. Well, I don't, but um, I have a hard time being critical in the sense that... Uh, <laughs> that uh, I can't really like critique like the oh my gosh they cut so much out and all these things and to me because like when you go to see the movie it's a lot different than reading the book I mean there's two different expectations and I don't feel it's good. Yeah, but I would say that you have to see the sorry you have to read the book first before you go to the movie because there are a couple of things you wouldn't understand. You know, if you didn't read the book first, I can't remember any of them, but I just remember it. Well, the veil, yeah. for example. Sorry, the veil, for example. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, the veil, the veil's not explained in the movie. It's not really much in the book either. But uh, 
course, uh, Bellatrix puts Avada Kedavra on Sirius, which is not the spell that she puts on him in the book. And I thought about this, and I realized that maybe it's because um, if he used Avada Kedavra, they don't have to explain what happened to Sirius. He's dead. That, that is, right? Yeah. That's what they clear it up, too. They could, that would clear it up, too. But someone mentioned um, on in the podcast discussion that the spell didn't actually hit. Seriously, you know, as you say, the spell hit him like from the camera angle. You saw like the light die from his eyes, and you saw him be, you know, pulled back. But it didn't actually hit him. Yeah, I don't. I remember seeing again, he wouldn't have like stumbled and fallen through. I mean, he does have balance. He stood in front of the veil for a really long time. It wasn't like he just stepped back and like whoa. Uh, I, I, I think Bellatrix's spell actually it had to hit him, you know, because it's kind of like, yeah, exactly. So, the point is, is that he tripped, avoiding the spell. That's why he fell into the veil. Oh, okay. Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, but I don't know. Sun is the perfect umbrage. There is no way any anyone else, the single other person, the six billion on this planet, could ever do that. <laughs> That, that sickening smile that she brings through everything she says, she says it with that smile that I'm better than you and I have more power than you, and there's nothing you can do about it. It was perfect. Did anyone see the Muggle interview clips on Muggle.com? Yeah, everyone see the beginning with another song? What do you think of that? <laughs> best, best, best video clip ever. Muggle. <laughs> yeah. We heard the rest of our thoughts about the film. What did you think? Thank you, Ben. Well, uh, listen, I, I came out of it, and many people I've talked about this came out of the film thinking just, huh. I mean, it's, it's, mixed. It's, it's very mixed, in my opinion. There's, um, it's just, I guess I was expecting so much more. I was looking forward to the, I was really looking forward to the scene seeing Snape enter Harry's mind. I thought there would be a lot more emphasis on that, a lot more drama in that scene. And, uh, of course, that, that was short. The Umbridge stuff was perfect. Uh, they did do a few montages, which was an interesting way of, uh, moving the movie, uh, forward. But what's a montage? Well, that, but also, like, just a bunch of clips all thrown together. Like, when Umbridge is, uh, wreaking havoc on the school. Well, not wreaking havoc, but letting the smack down on the entire school. Uh, things like that. One last thing I was going to talk about, which I think we mentioned on a show, which was one more thing, which is completely, well, I didn't spoil it once again, but it's just a nagging thing, was when Harry left, um, Privet Drive and went, uh, Grimmauld Place, and instead of him seeing and reading the piece of parchment that tells him where it is, um, Moody tapped his stick in some kind of Jafar, like, like, was that something like Aladdin 5, Return to the Cave, or something like that? Yeah. That was one of the first things that ruined my enjoyment for the film, because it was so far off from the park. I was like, it didn't make sense. But oh, more than that, it's like, that charm is so important in the entire scheme of things, you know, with Sirius and Pettigrew and the secret keepers. Yeah. So it just seems like you shouldn't make that mistake. Well, I don't think it's like a mistake, because the secret keeper charm was explained in the third film, and um, that's a really good point to make. But okay, what other scenes were sort of far off? I don't want to be too Oh, I, I remember now. Okay, I'm good. Okay, so, uh, when Harry, the, the first thing I noticed was that I, I saw this movie in London and I was writing notes for the whole entire time. And 
for, I mean, this is what gets me. But the opening of the film, when Harry and Dudley are running, they're like running side by side. And Dudley's bad. He can't do that. <laughs> the second thing I thought they messed up was when they get back to O's, was, was uh, Big. Arabella Big was the worst thing ever because she said, she just like, why do you keep your love down, boy? And it's not in the books, but. You know, she's angry, almost, but borderline, you know, she's really stern, she's like, keep your wand out, baby, are you a fool, keep your wand out, you know? And, but in, in the movie, she was kind of, she was too weak, I thought she was going to be a lot stronger. And they get back to the house, and they're drinking Griffiths, and it's all, oh my god, chill out, boy! And then, but in the, in the book, it wasn't like that at all, but, I mean, for moviegoers, I thought it was pretty good. But there was that classic shot, I thought it was hilarious, when... Uh, it cuts to him and he's huddled in the freezer, spooning some uh, yeah, ice cream. That was hilarious. I thought, uh, <laughs> in the movies, when there's any kind of conflict between characters, whenever they're they're fighting or arguing, whenever you know Draco Malfoy comes up to Harry and says, and it's not realistic at all. Like it's not. He's, he's trying to be angry, trying to be angry at each other, but that's not how it actually happens in the real world. That's just like a movie scene kind of argument. You guys know what I mean there? Like, he's not clever or sarcastic or funny or witty in any way. It's just saying something that I would expect, like, a second grader says. And he's lost by the And Brent, there's no blood. And then, yeah. Let me add in. Let me add in. Yeah. But it is a movie and there's magic in it. So, you know, you can't expect it to echo the real world completely. Good point. I don't know. Raise your hand if you enjoyed the film. You thought they did a good job. That's good. Now, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. I mean, the reviews out there have been really mixed. Yeah. In comparison to the other other films, but anyone call it their favorite film now? People have been calling it their favorite film. But do you call it that just because it just came out? Like, everyone says that each one is their favorite. Wow, Sorcerer's Stone, oh my gosh, it was amazing. Oh, Steve, Steve, it's even better, wow. Christian Eskimo, oh my god. Goblet no. of Fire, wow, Mike Newell. Order of Phoenix, whoa, Umbridge. No one's ever said that Chamber of Secrets is their favorite film ever. Well, it was everybody's favorite film yeah. after when it came out. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. 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 Yeah. Either way, it was not difficult at all. Here's what usually happens. I've noticed this. After Goblet of Fire, we got out of the premiere, we came to the podcast, we started talking about the film. And all that came from up here back then was praise. Oh my God, God, but it was a wonderful film. I felt it was a And then about a week later, all of a sudden, the same people who were like, I'm going to do a great job, all of a sudden turned into, you know, they really messed up this line. This line, this line, this line. <laughs> it's like, come on! I mean, really? You were just saying how awesome the film was a minute ago, and I don't know. I just think that sometimes, since Harry Potter fans, by nature, are going to be very critical and analyze things a little too much. So the movies are learning curve more than anything. You know, they they have got better. I think each one has got considerably better when people realize what the fans want, what the fans don't want. So, like, like I enjoy one, I feel like it was terrible. Book two was pretty terrible as well. One thing, I would have liked, one thing I would have liked to see more of in this movie was because it was it was like two and a half hours of depressing stuff, and then there was a depressing book at the end. And I know that's how it was in the book, but I feel they could have used used a little more humor to lighten the mood a little bit because I, I see that the movie feeling a little bit tired because I just I, I I felt for Harry and I felt for the characters, and it was just such a dark dark book. So it was a dark movie too. And a little humor, I think, could have injected a little more life into the movie. Right. That was a bit of humor still, but still kept in the teaspoon. 
quote, which I was really pleased about, you know, the emotional range of a teaspoon. Yeah. Um, something that I uh, noticed when I was thinking about the piano in my mind was that the first one was rated PG, correct? Yeah. And so was, so was movie three. Movie three was? Yeah, that's right. So, I don't know, just how many PG films out there do you enjoy? I think, because I remember watching this film when I was younger. I remember watching the first two films when I was younger, and I was so into those things. I was just, they were amazing movies to me. So I don't know, I think maybe they were targeting a different audience back then as opposed to now. Yeah, because people have grown up with series. There were more PG books as well, like one or two on this dark is uh, three, four, five, and six, and probably seven as well. So I think it's going to get darker than movies. You know, six is going to be very, very scary, and seven is just going to be... What is that? It's going to be 17. Well, there were so many people dying in the seventh book. I mean, okay, this probably is correct now that I actually say it out loud, but could it, could it be rated movie R? Or rated no. R? No. You guys don't know what's happening. I'm just like, no. It could be some really nasty stuff going on in there. No, there's like stabbing. Oh, yeah. Is that all you're thinking about? That's the terrible. What about Michael Gambon? Personally, I think Tupac is a way better Dumbledore. Where are you at, buddy? Give him a I don't actually share Ben's view on this one, even though we tend to see eye to eye in most things. I, even though there are a couple lines that bother me, just like they bother every other Harry Potter fan because they weren't Dumbledore ish. But yeah. at the same point, Richard Harris was not the Dumbledore that I read in the book. I agree. Richard Harris was a he acted, and he was actually dying, so he acted like a dying old man. There was no energy. There was no spark in anything that he said. He didn't have that Dumbledore twinkle that Gambon shows from time to time. He, has, he had much more of a twinkle than Michael Gambon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, yeah. no, 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 Richard Harris to say that again. Yeah, I thought Richard Harris to me he was Dumbledore. And I thought even though, even though, even though you have the, the raspy, oh, this will be the best Dumbledore, Dumbledore though. That's me as Dumbledore. It was all choices, Harry. Oh, no, 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 no. Anyways, I feel like with Richard Harris, I just felt like he wasn't that, he, he didn't seem in control. He didn't seem in command. I felt like a strong gust of wind. Would knock him off his feet. You guys know what I mean? It's, 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 but that's just the Dumbledore that I think in the books was powerful. He was strong. He was he was kind, and he had energy. I think you would appreciate this. I think Michael Gambon is he's, he's a feistier Dumbledore, but it's not even Dumbledore. He's a feistier person because Dumbledore isn't Dumbledore is supposed to be. You know, when Dumbledore enters the room, he's supposed to carry the aura of you want to mess with this, you know, and. In, in the movies, I didn't, I thought that much of her, whereas, because the had the look on his face, everything, whereas Michael Gambit, to me, I thought it was just way too, he was just way too angry, you know, like in movie four, when he grabs Harry and he's like, that's just the top of the fire. You know, that's just way out of line. See, I feel like everybody's judging Michael Gambit based on a couple of lines that were delivered very poorly, but exactly. you definitely see that, that Dumbledore power when you're watching that battle in the Department of Mysteries at the end of the movie. Can you imagine Richard Harris doing that? I wouldn't imagine that. I just can't imagine Richard Harris steaming that that's larger than life like Michael Gannon did. He has that, he's got that spark that I just never saw with Harris. And I, I did think Harris was a good Dumbledore at the time. Nice, but I think it's hard to compare the two considering that Richard Harris never got the opportunity to play the 
In the movie, however, it became, it became like a lot more of a struggle. No, no, that no. In the book, there are a couple of times where he's in trouble, like um, when Falk has to swallow the Avada Kedavra uh, spell. And there's one more, I think, when he's, he has to shake something off, or like a snake comes after him and he just in time whips it into something else, which then gets um, hold of the I just bust out your nunchucks and something out like that. That's um, pretty much it. What, uh, another great scene is when Dumbledore is getting out of his office when Ministry comes out. That's very cool. That's, that's another, that's another uh, fantastic Dumbledore scene, especially when Kingsley Shacklebolt says, I can't remember the exact line, but he says, Dumbledore's got style. And that was so, it was perfect. It was so perfect. I, I, I enjoyed that scene, but that was one of my favorite scenes in all the books. And there was a couple lines in there that I really wish to have been yeah. there. Like when he's, when he's talking to Dolish and he's saying, you know, I'm sure you were a, you were a fine or and you, know, you did well on your news, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, basically, don't make me hurt you. Yeah. Because I'm Dumbledore and you're not. Why couldn't they put that in there? That was, oh, that, that was such a good conversation. Yeah. Now, um, I think you're back in Paris, but I was thinking about the one moment that made him for Dumbledore. No, it's like I was thinking about how in, the, in Dumbledore's office when he disappears from, uh, you know, the Minister of Magic and all of them. Um, in that moment, you know, I think Dumbledore has to have the aura about him of, you know, I don't think he did that that well, but in Chamber of Secrets, when you know the writing on the wall, the arrows or whatever, like when, when Richard Harris walks up to that, he ha- I think he has been. I did that moment. I got chills. I thought Dumbledore was amazing in that, but he just winked and he knew what was going to happen. Like he planned it for ages. He knew exactly what was going to go down. He knew what, you know who was going to be there, what was going to happen, and he folks knew what was going on. Yeah, I just felt like he he, he had a glint in his eye that knew that he planned everything. He knew what was going to happen. Another line from the movie that was just too cool to exist was uh, when, when the when the, um, the centaurs were carrying off Umbridge. I'm sorry, Professor. I must not tell lies. Yeah, that was that was really good. There was um, let's see. Oh, um, McGonagall also has. A good role in the on the tells here. Unfortunately, it's older though. It's older. Well, it was stronger than she was. She stood up to Umbridge, but I think it was the thing that you didn't see her play a nicer role. She was always she was always extremely frustrated in this movie whenever she was on camera, which is sort of a shame. But I guess that puts across the point that nobody at Hogwarts was really happy about uh, what Umbridge was doing. I wish she would have lasted like that in the book. That would be cool. You know, if you think about how critical we are of these movies and how much, like, to, to what level we hold the producers of these films at, and the fact that we criticize the tiniest, most inconsequential things compared to what most film goers look at, you gotta, you gotta admit, they're doing a pretty good job. We're a tough crowd, yeah, I think. We're a pretty tough crowd. Now, guys, it is now. I have a question, actually. I've been asking myself this a lot lately. Do I actually want the status quo to come out a week from now? I don't know. I think I, I, I don't. How can you want it to come out? But at the same time, how can you not want it to? Bittersweet. Yeah. Uh, I do want to talk about one thing. There was a new interview with JK. You okay? I totally broke my setup now. Uh, there was a new interview with J.K. Rowling today, uh, well, a part of it. 
Uh, J.K. Rowling says, uh, some people loathe it. They will absolutely loathe it. For some people to look, uh, some people love it. Other people must loathe it. That's just in the nature of the plot. This is I'm actually really, really happy with it. Oh my God. OMG. So, uh, why would people hate this book? I guess that means really important characters are dying. Yeah, exactly. Like Harry. No. You, no. But you can't write a good book what, about a war versus good versus evil. You know, it's going to be sad the entire time. So it, it isn't automatically that Harry dies. It could just be that um, some major characters die. But it's going to be a sad book anyway. I think it's going to end in a way that we're all left happy. I, I don't think... I think there's going to be a sense of closure at the end of the book. That, that's what she's needed to do all these years. I don't think we're going to end and be, you know, oh my gosh, why didn't she do, you know, I think, I think we'll be happy with it. I trust her. When I read that line, I actually, I, for a second there, I stopped and I thought, oh man, what happens if I actually, what happens if I finish the book and I'm, and it's never happened before, but what if I'm actually disappointed? I'm thinking, you know, what if, what if, what if I went out after, after seven books on, on a bad note? What would, what would happen to me? I would just, like, combust, I think. <laughs> no, Emerson, Emerson, I have a question for you. See, Emerson and I had a, a book tour. We went all over the uh, United States. We were like, well, what happened to Harry Potter 7? Thanks to all of you for buying it. It was great. Love you all. Um, but every single tour stop we went to, Emerson would say, raise your hand if Harry is going to die. Go ahead. Raise your hand if Harry is going to die. Wrong. Good. Yeah. See, he was publicly humiliated so many people. No, no, no. I'm curious. I'm curious. Never seen If Harry does die, what do you, what do you do for these fans? All these fans that you embarrass. I have a bet. I have a food bet that I have to make. So if you want, you can join in with me and we can do it together. I'll give you guys 50 sausages. See, you know what I'll do? But he might have died to Move on with my life. We're making predictions about a book. We're bound to be wrong about some of them, so... No, but, but you've been guaranteed. Like, the Emerson Sparks guaranteed. It's more fun that way. <laughs> and pay Chris Rankin. Oh, yeah, I'll Chris Rankin 10 bucks, too. Because he bet me $10 that Harry was going to die, but... Pounds, dude. Pounds, dude. You wouldn't have it then. Micah, Micah. Who, is Harry going to win? No way. Yeah, is Harry going to win? So you guys, are the good guys going to do it? I think that's a better question to ask. Not if he's going to live or die, is he going to win? Because he might have to kill himself to, to win. A sacrifice. How does Harry win? What situation would be Harry winning? Well, we were talking about that, but I think winning would be Voldemort being gone. No, right. Voldemort could go and all of his friends and all of his family, you know, would die. So that wouldn't be a happy ending. That would just be Voldemort gone. Which is not happy. It's just, no, no, I I said Harry winning. I didn't say he would be happy. Then, if I killed the most famous stylist of all time, but all my friends and all my family died, I wouldn't think that I was winning. I'm not going to lie. So, I'm not sure about you, but you know what I mean. But differences. Does that include our uh, discussion on that for now? Overall, everyone likes it. Round of applause for David Heyman and the crew. Even uh, Emerson, the producer of the movies, really, really is a fan of Motherland, isn't he? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. at the premiere, he, he kind of went on for a while about how he, because I, I told him that I was, I was very, I, I, I told him that as a, as a representative of the fans, that I thought that he was doing, he was, he was being a wonderful steward of our, 
of our series, our, our beloved books, and he seemed like he was almost on the verge of like crying because he, he really, really wants us to be happy. He wants to do justice to these books. And then he started talking about how, you know, they use the website all the time to find out what you guys think about all the changes that they're making. So I think David Hayden really is a great guy who means well, and I'm, I'm really glad that he is at, he, he's the one making decisions. Yeah. It was interesting because he said that he, he reads, he watches, and he listens on the site, which made me sort of think that he listens to the podcast for, for some reviews sometimes. So hopefully he doesn't listen to this one because this one's hard. <laughs>
which is a very old castle over a thousand years old, and it has very high ceilings, and this room also has very high ceilings.
Okay, so I'll think it's going to be will Ginny and Harry get back together in book seven or not? So, three people say yes, they will. And this guy right here. Yes, we did a podcast together, podcast workshop today. And then three people for they went. Boss guy just over there. Yeah. You guys really don't think any of them. You guys aren't Harry Hermione strippers, are you? What was the other word? Yeah. One side stands over here, the other side stands over there. One side stands over here, the other side stands over there. You get a, you get a minute, you get a minute to plan. We're playing quick. Yeah, you got like one minute to come up with the plan. So we'll have some idle chat right now. You guys enjoy your time in the lightning so far? It's been a really fun event. The, the, opening, the opening piece was amazing when the owl flew across the uh, gray ball. I seriously thought it was actually flying. Because I didn't see the string until it got rid of it. It was. It was actually. That is the string, eh? I thought Dumbledore was hot. Yeah. Dude, that band is just oof. Do some Dumbledore impressions. Come on, man. Tell me what part. Oh, yeah. You know, do the scene in the Ministry of Magic when they're fighting. I want to hear that you did not have to come here tonight, Tommy. No, no, you should not come here tonight, Tommy. Well, see, it depends on how you do. I can do a Gambit Dumbledore. I can do a. I can do a Paris Dumbledore. Paris. Paris. No, but Gambit's more fun sometimes. I guess it's like. Yeah, but it's the Dark Lord that is in culture It is not in the nature of the mental I like to be chills when I saw the films. Um, I'm better than Harris Dumbledore. Um, it is our choice, Miss Harry. Far more than our abilities. It's not a rubbish movie. Um,
And then um, he so definitely he'd be the closest person to him, female to him besides Hermione. You know, obviously that's not going to happen. So, and plus, um, the first person that everybody dates, like with Hermione and Victor, and then Ron and Lavender, and then Harry and Cho, like the person that they end up with next. Okay. The person that we end up with, that they end up with next, because we all know that Ron and Hermione are totally going to get together. Um, we know that like that they're going to stay together forever because they're like made to be. So that means that Harry and Ginny have to get together and just yeah, because they're made for each other. And they're all a big family. <laughs> Okay, go on. So, I'm um, Kristen Lamoni. I'm from Northern Virginia. Hi, I'm Rachel Kulik. I'm from Phoenix, Arizona. Hi, I'm William Meyer, and I'm from Princeton, New Jersey. Hi, I'm Okay. If you think that this side won, 
And I think the husband, and I think the husband, and I think the husband, the whole person is definitely going to have something to do with all of us. And they definitely need to get information from Hogwarts because there's a lot of stuff that only the professors there know that no one else really knows. They need to go back. And J.K. Rowling said that the Simmons Street was married, but she said the information about who they married is restricted, and we learned who they married in Book 7, I think. So that maybe they are telling you about something of Gryffindors or Ravenclaws. You know, Harry and the Hans and the Horses. 20 seconds. And Hogwarts is still a lot safer. And and also not just Harry, not, it's not just Harry's home, but it's Voldemort's home too. And I think Voldemort probably like wouldn't let it close. Honestly, I don't think he would. I, I don't think he would like attack the school because he has a strong connection to the school too. Thank you very much. Give him a hand. That is going to be tough to beat. Can you do it? In five, four, three, can I have a microphone? Two, one, go. Um, I'm Laura Sanderson from. Go on, sorry, keep going. Oh. What? Intro, intro, intro. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay, I'm Laura Sanderson from St. Charles, Illinois. I'm Emily Steer from San Diego, California. I'm Nicole Christian from Richmond, Virginia. One minute left. Okay, in three, two, one, go. Well, Dumbledore's not there anymore, and since Dumbledore was the only person that Voldemort ever feared, then Hogwarts isn't safe anymore because Voldemort really only attacked Hogwarts and Dumbledore was gone. So they're going to be attacked a lot in McGonagall. Not really that scary or threatening. Um. Well, well, like she said, Dumbledore is now gone, and and um, the only reason that Voldemort stayed away from Hogwarts for all these years was because Voldemort was there. I'm sorry, Dumbledore was there, and um. And I mean, in some book, he'll, pro- he'll, he'll probably be in the part that he's that he'll be ruling that he's ruling Hogwarts within a few days. I mean, um, he'll, pro- he'll probably just just turn to a big school for dark arts. Why not? Uh, probably shouldn't be open because, like you said, Voldemort will probably take over, and he probably really doesn't like anybody that's not in Slytherin and kill everybody. And that'd be kind of unpleasant. And he um, he knows Harry goes to Hogwarts, and he really wants to kill Harry. And so he'd probably search Hogwarts for Harry or anybody who would be close to Harry, so he would like use them against Harry or just convert him to school for Dark Arts. Yeah, basically Hogwarts is what Harry's cared about a lot, and since Voldemort basically destroys everything that Harry cares about, then. Basically, Hogwarts can I do? 20 seconds. Um, well, like, like, I think that's pretty much about it. Great job. But also, I think that Hogwarts, I personally think it will reopen after Voldemort gets vanquished. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yes. Yes, it's going to stop. Now, remember, reserve your shout. You'll get one shout. I guess you shout it twice. Double shout. Oh, you'll be punished. Watch out for double shout. Yeah, you better be careful.
Spanish from Irvine. Um, anyways, remember, please take your one shout for the side that you think should win. Who presented, who presented the best argument? Not necessarily the side that you agree with. Remember that. Whoever switched sides and the best argument is the side you should vote for. Okay. Now, Hogwarts should be open. Or shouldn't. Right. Well, they should have said it. I forgot already. No, Hogwarts could be open. Give me a second. Oh, boy. Hogwarts shouldn't be open. Really? Yeah, that's what I was trying to tell. I think the first one was a few decibels louder. We did that in play in decibels. But no, that was that was the both sides. I was actually very impressed with the arguments that both sides presented. I don't know about the rest of you. So again, one last round of applause. Thank you very much. Now, um, something that I, I'm kind of torn over whether or not Hogwarts should or should not be open because I have to compare it to the real world and. You know, even after 9-11 happened, we didn't get paralyzed. Not everyone just, you know, stayed inside their homes. And some people believe that you let evil win by folding, by doing things, by, by closing down Hogwarts, to me, essentially would be allowing evil to win. However, at the same time, this side, this side presented about, or this side presented about an argument where Dumbledore is gone and Voldemort, the only reason that one time only kept him from taking Hogwarts before that was um, Dumbledore being there. So, to me, it's almost it's a big dilemma. Do you really want to round up all of your kids and put them in one place? But at the same time, do you really want to let fear have that big effect on you? I mean, what, what, what is accomplished by closing down the school? Seven books, seven years of Hogwarts. Now, what do you think you're going to be safe for at, though? Sending your kids off to, you know, be with a thousand other witches and wizards or at home by themselves playing Xbox 360. I, I don't think you're making any any safer by putting your kids out of school. You're depriving them of their education, whoa, 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 of their social, of their social lives. And I, I, I don't, I don't, I think that I don't think that's something really Dumbledore wants. Yeah, I agree on that. You know, you for one people that you live in there and think, well, we can't do anything now that he's gone and Voldemort's back. I think he still wants people to go to the school, but. Just because Harry didn't go to the school, it didn't mean it can't remain open. Because you know, they wouldn't just close it just because Harry isn't going back. And he could, like, I mean, somebody talked to me the other day, and they said that they can see it being set in Hogwarts, but then Harry would go off just like Dumbledore went off during Book Six to go and deal with the Horcruxes. So it would be set in two places, basically. Right. And Emerson, I don't think Hogwarts is the safest actually as sitting at home and playing Xbox 360. Because if you think out from a parent's perspective. Which is your child going to be more likely to be killed? Is Baltimore going to be more likely to raid your house and kill your child? Or is he going to be more likely to raid Hogwarts and kill a bunch of children? I think he'd definitely be more likely to, you know, kill all the kids. Since this is a family-oriented uh, Harry Potter convention, I think it's a good question to ask uh, the parents in the audience here. Say you uh, lived in the wizarding world and... Uh, you just heard about all the events that happened in Half Blood Prince. Would you let your child go back to Hogwarts for a uh, seventh year? Show of hands. All right, just anyway, the following year. Show of hands. Okay, there's one. All right. Now, who, who wouldn't let their kids go back? That's, that's, that's about it. Yeah, just split there. Because yeah. 
I just think it's the same kind of thought. I don't want my kids in there, but at the same time, I'm not going to let them scare me into it. Right. But it's, it's interesting because both sides have validity to them. Yeah. To let's, uh, let's move on now and take some of your questions because it's always what we do with these live podcasts. We love hearing your thoughts, whether it's about the book, it's about the movie, it's about the podcast, anything. Uh, about Harry going back to school, I personally, I'm a very, very strong believer that Harry has to go back the seventh year. You can't go six years at Hogwarts. You can't be that close to graduating. Hogwarts is his home. He has to go back. He has to graduate. Again, seven books, seven years at Hogwarts. Now, J.K. Rowling didn't say six books, you know. Or you know, six, six years of Hogwarts and one year where he's just you know stealing you know stealing the sights and like yes he does have he does have a lot in store for him he has a lot of Horcruxes to track down he's got a lot of work to do but Hogwarts is his home if he doesn't go back to Hogwarts where is he going to go he's going to find somewhere <laughs> why okay so let, let's do some uh, questions now this lovely woman well like, uh, here can you come up here sure quick. Because we need to get this in. This is going to be, by the way, this is MuggleCast episode 99. The next episode... The next episode is going to be um, episode 100. Jamie. Yeah, it was in more than London. Jamie, where are you from? My name is Tammy Gould. I'm from Waterville, Maine. What is your question? My question deals with the movie and something I didn't hear you gentlemen talk about earlier. What was Percy Weasley doing there with no lines? They brought the character back, but then didn't give him any lines. So are we pulling Percy back in because Percy has a role later on and we don't want the movie audience to forget him? It was sort of like Creature. Creature had served no purpose, but Creature was there. Sort of populating the movie for future reference. I would say that Joe is sort of a big believer in putting messages in her books, moral messages. And one of the things that she's always talked about is that people who do wrong can uh, repent, you know, and sort of come back to the good side. So Percy Weasley is one of those characters, along with Draco Malfoy, who has the potential to, you know, think, what have I been doing? Oh no, you know, I'm going to go and help the good side now. So perhaps he was put in the film just as sort of like a reminder that he's still there. He's still. He hasn't seen the error of his ways, but perhaps in book seven he will do. Yeah, I think um, I think you brought up a good a good point. There was that big debate over creature. Where's she going? Oh, there you go. <laughs> I, I, there was that big debate about creature. Joe specifically said, if you, if you want the, the movies to make sense later on, keep creature in. They said they thought about it for five seconds and then he was in. So yeah, I think Percy. Something's going on with Percy. Granted, I would like to see a couple lines from him acting like that. Meaning head that he is in the uh, in, in the book. What's that? He's a guest, yes. And a meanie head. How old are you, Andrew? Five? Poopy head. Okay, so uh, let's see. This one right here. Yeah, next one. Let's get more from Hi, my name is Lisa Ramasala. I'm from Houston, Texas. You coming here just for lightning? Um, I know Lord Volby's evil, he's born evil, right? Um, but why is everybody hating on him? Because if, if you get past his face, <laughs> that's Ray Fiennes under there. He's <laughs> Who's that? Can you repeat it? 
what do you think of them, and then do you think Muggles can see them? Oh. Did you someone ask us this question the other day? Timeless film. Where's the one? Because then, because then we said no, because it's like it's like uh, wizards can't. Uh, it's like someone could have cast spells, which is a magical trick. Okay. Next uh, caller. Let's get someone in the back here. Yeah, yeah, you know, we haven't had a guy come up here yet. Every few weeks. It's only like 78% of the listeners are girls. Ew. Yeah, so what's your name and where are you from? Probably not even a listener. I'm Kyle from Fairfax. Um, what role do you think uh, Grindelwald will have in the seventh book? Like, his legacy or whatever? Because I have this theory that he was the one who helped regulate across Voldemort's lake thing. Uh, and the reason he could go in the lake because he wasn't in full power because of what Dumbledore, uh, did, because of how Dumbledore defeated him, and then by drinking the potion that could kill him, and it's like to make sure there's because Voldemort's like stealing his thunder or whatever. That's that's very interesting. Cause I read on a message board a while back that Voldemort was merely a puppet for a higher power, and that Joe was very specifically worded. Uh, um, the writing was put on the back of the chocolate frog card, you know, and so it's like Dumbledore defeated Grindelwald. He didn't kill Voldemort, he didn't, you know. So there's a theory that I read that Grindelwald is actually the higher power and Voldemort is just someone who's working for him. And but away from that, because that is quite far-fetched, Grindelwald, I think, she wouldn't mention him, I don't think, and she wouldn't specifically use the word defeated if we weren't going to see him again. Almost see him again, but hear us from him again, you know. She did say he was dead, but she didn't say that Dumbledore killed him. <laughs> Alright, uh, thank you, Kyle. Alright, Andrew. Andrew. So, uh, go ahead, toss him up. Oh, yeah, I wonder why. I love Jamie's shirt. Um, J.K. Rowling said that she was going to introduce some, reveal something about Lily Potter in the book, and I don't think she really revealed anything big, so do you guys have any theories about what she was going to reveal, or if she already did reveal something? See, that's really interesting, because... Um, I remember prior to book five, there was all speculation about how we're going to learn something about Lily Potter in the fifth film, I mean, fifth book, excuse me. Um, does anybody know what it is? I mean, created James. I guess. I mean, I thought it was just a big deal. I thought it was just a big deal. It's brilliant. I bet it is that. I bet it was that. I know we talked on one of our shows saying that she was probably some sort of use to Voldemort, and that's why Voldemort sort of spared her. Can I have something to do with the Remember My Last? Sorry? With the Remember My Last? What about it? Between you and Remember My Last? Just, I mean, it's not directly with Lily, but it could have something, the last could have had something to do with Lily. So. You want to explain that? Uh, there's a little group form here at Enlightening. Uh, ma'am. You want to explain what this group Ma'am is all about? Any Ma'am members in here? Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, quite a few. Quite a few, okay. Um, I was approached to join the Mothers Against Murdering Molly group, and this is based on the assumption in the MuggleNet book that Molly and Arthur Weasley are um, 
two of the characters that have high probability of dying is Devin. So we just think because she's the one constant mothering figure in the whole series that she should be one of the last to go. So that's what that is. Um, my name is Monica Ricks. I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. And my question is this. Two of the Marauders are gone. There are two left. Do you think there's any significance to the fact that Remus Lupin is a werewolf and Peter Pettigrew now is in possession of a silver hand? I don't think you would think so, but she really said on her website that he will not be that silver hand to kill him. But it was a very good theory. There was, we had so many theories about that hand, too. And it just one fell through. She just cut down the uh, James switching places with uh, Sirius. That was a good theory. Yeah, yeah, that's the theory that um, just before James died, he switched places with Lupin, and that's why Lupin has always been so close to Harry. He's sort of like treated him like more of a son than just a student. But I thought either it was awesome, and then she shot it down from the sky. Yeah. Okay, next, uh, next question to the younger person here. Uh, gosh. Okay, I was pointing at her, so. Peer pressure. I'm, I'm a sucker for it. I'm always a sucker for the emails that go, Andrew, please read this in all caps. And I always click them. It was just like, if the email just says a new theory, I'm like, just kidding, Andrew. Hi, I'm Leah Wittenberg. I'm from Scott London, Jersey. And my question actually doesn't really have to do with Harry Potter so much as you guys. And I was just wondering um, how Muggle.net has affected your life and how much time it really takes up, because I know a bunch of you guys are going to college next year, so what you plan on doing with that. Start with Emerson since he created that. I don't think you're alive, Emerson. Not that much, really. You know, it, it, it's, it's a full-time job. Uh, I've been doing this for eight and a half years now. I've heard, God, I've heard every theory any Harry Potter fan has ever thought of. And it's, it's just been, it's been really interesting just watching the thought, watching the evolution of the, the fandom, how much more sophisticated it's gotten, how much more, how, how much bigger it's gotten. There's these Harry Potter fans everywhere, three different times today. When I was walking around the campus or whatever, people would say, oh, are you a Harry Potter fan? They'd see my, my muggle man shirt, and I'd say, yeah, I like it a bit. Mike, you weren't a staff member of muggle man until Mugglecast came along, and then you IM this, you were like, you guys can help with the shows, you can help transcribing, do the intros, then you worked your way in. How did you get away with it? I learned my way in. What works? Oh, works. Works. Not that word, but yeah, no, I mean, it does take a, a, a tremendous amount of time to read the thing, particularly with the transcripts and stuff, and just recording the show and doing the movies and all that kind of stuff. Right. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it is very time consuming, but uh, it's definitely a great thing to do. Jamie? I would agree with what both of them have said, and also said that it's been awesome, the best for the few years of my yeah. life, ever, yeah. ever. And I've met some wonderful people. Oh, I've met some great fans of everyone here, and it's just been absolutely amazing. And I'm going to be really sad for it then. In some ways, I mean, Harry Potter is, you know, one of the. I feel like the spotlight has just come down on me, and I'm like, <laughs> opening up for the first time in years. But no, Harry Potter has been, you know, the book series has been amazing, and I've really enjoyed every minute of it, but I'm grateful to it sort of more for being, you know, all, all the stuff that's brought me and all the people I've met and that kind of thing. <laughs> Continue on that for just, just very briefly. Um, I would say just the thing I'm going to miss more than anything is the moment.
moment that you get when I, I know Ben has had a few of these moments too, and we, we visited a lot of bookstores. We met lots and lots of fans, lots of fans. And we heard, I mean, every once in a while, you just hear somebody will make an observation, and you'll sit there and you'll go, Wow, how did we miss that? And it's, you have one of those aha moments where you realize that you're really smart. And that happens a lot, doesn't it? Like, somebody will just say something which they think is just a, you know, a small point. You'll think, wow, that's just changed everything I've ever thought about one book or everything I've ever thought about the series as a whole. And it, it really is unbelievable how sort of like the world, worldwide power of everyone's theorizing can come together on the internet. And that's why the internet is so, you know, good for, for, for that kind of thing, because everyone contributes. I'll put it this way. I think we'll be feeling the this. And now I consider myself to be a pretty seasoned traveler. I mean, we've been all over the place lately. I mean, this summer has been, it's been hectic. I mean, the traveling has been grueling, but I'm having the time of my life, and I don't want it to end. I mean, book seven is kind of sad. And I don't know, over the past few years, it's just things have evolved so incredibly. I mean, without the podcast, like, all of you wouldn't be here. I mean, it was all luck. It was just, everything was luck. Everything was chance, but. I'm just grateful for what, like Jamie, for what it's given to me. And I'm not as great as a Harry Potter fan as I was when I started out. I'm not as into it, but at the same time, I enjoy it in a different way because of the people that I've met through it and all that. So. Uh, oh, no, no, I agree with all of you guys. We can hold a group crying session after this. So everybody feels the same way. Backstage race car. Yeah, yeah. Come back yeah, back. No, it really has changed, like, my life, too. I started. When before I was on Mongoland, Ben still makes fun of me for this. That to this day I have a website. Uh, it, was, it was first called Harry's Harry. That's not bad. Harry Potter's House dot com. So here's what happened. I mean, yeah, I was going to yeah, 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 I don't remember this. This, this guy, this guy, this guy messaged me asking me to work for Mongoland, and his, his screen name is HP's House. <laughs> and I'm thinking. HP's house, and then finally I, I was like, I gave him this like Emerson gave it for me when I bugged him for a job. And every day for four months. Yeah. Just, yeah, no, can I say? Please, no. I actually spent today. No. I actually spent more time on the computer waiting for Ben to respond to me because I was so paranoid I was gonna, I, he was gonna eye me when I wasn't there. So I would just sit there. Seriously, I was sit there just waiting for you to respond to me. It got aggravated, and then, and then, is that anymore, Andrew? Not on the laptop. But, and then, then you told me, you were like, oh, by the way, you're hired. And he's like, I meant to say, didn't I tell you a few days ago? He's like, oh, he's like no, you didn't. I'm sitting here waiting. Yeah. Uh, I his parents, his parents, who happen to be here tonight, give him a round of applause. Hey. And, 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 not just his parents, but love my life, my Facebook wife. <laughs> and so is Ryan Sim. Join the Facebook fan club. We have a lot of members. Someone made that for him. But I remember when they told me, they were like, yeah, I wish he was coming down here, but when you hired him, whatever. Thomas, he was interviewing for a job at Muggle Dad. And like, they thought it was so cute or whatever. And then, look at him now. One of the weirdest things is that even though we come from all around the world, and all different walks of life, we're all different ages. I used to think about Andrew from New Jersey, I'm from the Chicago area, Jamie's from England, Ben's from Kansas, and yet we're all, and, and my community is from New York. And like, we're all like basically best friends now. And you know, people, sometimes like, uh, you know, people ask me, you know, like, oh, well, who runs a website with you? And I say, oh, well, you know, some of my friends. And uh, they're like, oh, you're your buddy from school. 
no, actually, uh, thousands of miles away. And yeah, it started looking a little weird, like I, you know, I, something's wrong with me socially, but, uh, yeah. It's like, it's weird, like when, when you're going through customs, when you're coming back, where are you going to? And they, they always grill you on questions. They're like, uh, what's your reason for going? Uh, and I, I'm not going to say, oh, they go to Harry Potter for me or any of your actors, because that's like, not necessary. So I just go visiting friends. And they're like, oh, how do you know these friends? And I don't want to be a dork and say, over the internet. So I get my online girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yahoo personals. I did that once. When we went, we did a convention last year at Lumos in um, Las Vegas, Nevada. And um, this is my first time on my own going through. U.S. immigration, and for an outsider, it's they, they they grill you about everything. And I'm standing there, and I sort of put they have like fingerprints, so I put my fingerprint down there, and I put my second fingerprint down, and then I had this camera, and I was expecting them to ask me to sort of take my clothes off for a for a search, you know, and stuff like that. So they said, "What's your business here?" And I said, "I sort of froze because you feel nervous, you know, even though you've done nothing wrong. Just being there makes you feel nervous." So, <laughs> so, so yeah. So I was like, uh, I'm attending a Harry Potter convention in in Las Vegas, Nevada. And I mean, this person had obviously worked there a long time. And I don't think in, in the sort of years that they've worked there, they'd ever heard anything like that. So uh, I hope I made that day with that. Uh, and as, as I was saying, in, um, in the day uh, of our, our little podcast discussion that we did, it's amazing that this is all. All of this, these million, multi-million dollar movies, all of this is because of one woman on a train over 10 years ago. And it's incredible to think just how everything came together, how much chance there had to be. If you, if you would have, you know, how many of you would have stuck through it when Joe, you know, rejected and rejected and rejected and rejected and finally one last time, you know, which by one last time and, you know, it took off. So, you know. Well, so cool. <laughs> so, these talk about emotional sort of trip and memory lane. Should we take another question? Well, well one last question for today. Wait, what about? I, oh, I have a really random observation here. Honestly, when, um, some of you know, I, I got to interview J.K. Rowling a couple years ago, and it was obviously one of the high points of my life. But I remember, I remember thinking that she has this way about her. It's the same way that you kind of imagine if you were sitting across the table from Dumbledore. The person you're talking to is in control. She rocks. You just feel like everything she says, she's going to say it hurt because she's J.K. Rowling. Well, let's go wrong. Well, oh no, it's going to be bad. Yes. Yeah, that's what I meant. Uh, I don't know if there's an order. I think I think Wormtail is definitely an honor because he's just one of those people. Yeah. yeah. He's going to get it. Um, but I think... I don't agree with that. Oh, sorry. My job is way. You want the whole thing in the chair? Well, 5,000 words. Go. Always prepping. You guys will be on the panel. So much pressure. 
That's all that I'm doing. <laughs> I hope that was enough. It's a lot of concentration. It does. The mind control. Yeah. Um, another question? Uh, one, okay, one more. One more. Uh, it's episode 99 after all. This is the last one before Bar 7. Yay! Here you call up. Okay. Who? Give me one question. What would you do if someone's like, I'm from Space Switch? You're stuck. The thing is, I don't understand this sharing thing when someone's when from the place that you're in because America's a big country, so there's quite a big challenge for someone from your state, isn't there? So, like, you're like, there's 50 states, and every day there's like 300 million people. We have pride in our country. USA! What are your thoughts on Benita and Curtata reoccurring in the last book? Well, this is like the thing they can't battle. I've never thought that they can battle against each other using their wands, which is why Harry has to have a power that Voldemort knows not love. Um, I don't know how he can kill him using love, but. I always thought they can't battle. But then someone told me the other day that they thought the reason Ollivander was captured from Diagon Alley was so that he could make Voldemort one last special one that he could use to battle against Harry, but I don't know. Um, if love is the power of the Dark Lord knows then perhaps, at least perhaps, Harry will mail Voldemort a Valentine. I Rachel, 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 Rachel,
And of course, everyone else who's, who's put on this. So really, this has been a fantastic event. I, we were very surprised that I, the turnout would be so good for a family-oriented uh, uh, convention because there really hasn't been one of these before. But anyway, Keith, uh, nice shirt. I like my shirt. <laughs> one more time, give him a hand, please. <laughs> Because of you, it's special that we've had for a so thank you very much, guys. Uh, this is for the Teen Social. Everybody who's attending the Teen Social, we are meeting in the vestibule out here. The prefects will meet you out here, and you'll all go to your Teen Social dorm. So please meet out here. Okay? Party, hey. All right, well, thank you, everyone. Uh, we have a good night. Let's get the prefects on the Woo! Oh, yeah, so